The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be, that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen, and let us pray, Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight, and I thank you that you can speak to us and teach us about God's desire and grace for a faithful and fruitful life, and we ask for your help as always, amen. I'd like to reread the parable of the barren fig tree again, it's short. He told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his garden. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it 
down. The motto of the state of Nebraska is the good life. Having lived in Nebraska for seven years, I can tell you pretty much the Nebraskans' view of the good life is rain, decent crops, family, church, faith, good neighbors, and of course Huskers winning the national championship. That would be the good life for sure. But uh, setting that aside a little bit, just to think about how you would define the good life. Might be things like productive, reducing or maybe eliminating injustice, taking care of the environment, helping the weak, protection and promotion of life. All of these are great descriptions of what I think we would say is a good kind of life. Uh, And I think there are a small number of people who, for a short time at least, could probably achieve almost everything on that list. But the problem is it doesn't take into consideration and account the problem of sin, which always causes us to fall short. And for any efforts such as these, both ancient and modern philosophers have all talked about this, and yet we still so fall so sharp short of it. And that's because the list needs a few more things on it. The good life is not just all those things, productivity and so on and so forth, but the good life includes repentance, salvation, and the strength that God gives us in Christ. So let's take a good look again at this parable that Jesus tells, the parable of the barren fig tree. First of all, the parable in the parable, he says that the owner of this tree and this vineyard came seeking fruit. That is to say, he expected to find some fruit on this tree. Fig trees are really amazing trees. In the Bible, they are the third tree mentioned after the tree of life, or the tree of the tree of night life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the oldest living tree right now is a fig tree. Was planted in the year 288 B.C. Fig trees are known to be extremely productive. They are vital for both animals and for human beings. In fact, I've become kind of so fascinated with these fig trees that I actually ordered one, and I hope to planet and later this summer I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for some fruit on that tree and if it doesn't have any I'm going to be a little disappointed just like the man in the parable. Now all of this reminds us that God has created us for such a potential for good. He has given us strength, he's given us wisdom, he's given us so many things to do so many good things. In fact, this was the very first of all commandments in the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And yet, the owner wants to destroy this tree because it's not doing anything like that. And this is one of the problems of the the way things are in the world today. We want to be productive, and we have our lists and our descriptions of what the good life should be, and yet, as I said, because of sin, it all falls short. We think, at least we are tempted to think, that we can be good without God. It's actually a book that's been published by that very title 
by the head of chaplains at Harvard University. He is actually an atheist, Greg Epstein, and uh, he makes this contention that you can be good without God. This is everybody is trying to do for the most part. The problem with that idea is, how do you know what good is without God? Is it everybody's own interpretation and opinion about what good is? And I guarantee you, if that's the way it is, there's going to be some clashes. And there are going to be problems. And things are going to unravel and things are going to fall apart, just as they always do and always are doing in this world. So he came seeking fruit because there was so much potential there, but not finding any, he was ready to have that tree immediately cut down. But then the gardener comes along, and he says, Sir, let it alone. He asks for three things, and I'd like to expand on each of these. They're beautiful. Time. He asks for one year. And that reminds us how patient God is. I'm so impressed with this. In fact, the older I get in life, you know, I think after 63, almost 64 years, I should have gotten some of these sin things figured out, and I should be doing a better job, and yet I find myself saying with Paul, a wretched man that I am. And yet God is patient. And so one of the most important verses in the book of Psalms is simply this, that the mercy of the Lord endures forever. God gives us time. He is patient with all. And the second thing that the gardener says in this time that uh, he asks for to help this tree, he says, I want to dig around it. Now, in the Bible, that's always a symbol for repentance. So the prophets Hosea and Jeremiah both use this phrase to Israel, they say, and to all of us. Break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. That is to say, acknowledge your sins. So many people in the world are accomplished in great things. They may have earned a PhD or written a book or built up a business or have been very successful in the world of politics or whatever. Yet in many ways, it's the man sleeping in a cardboard box under the bridge that can be the most successful in God's eyes where there is this broken, fallow ground, where there is humility, where there is repentance. And so we come to church every Sunday to confess our sins, again to realign ourselves with God's will, and we look carefully at our thoughts and our words and our actions, what we have done and what we have left undone. So we come to be dug up a little bit by Jesus, our gardener. The third thing that he asks for in order to help this fig tree, sir, let it alone, he says, I shall add fertilizer or manure. Now, this is interesting. If you go back and read this in the King James Version, first of all, he says, the owner says, why cumbereth it the ground? Cumbereth means to make useless, to make worthless. So this is what the tree is doing. That spot of ground is worthless because that tree is bearing no fruit. The gardener re replies, I shall dig about it and dung it. Yeah, that's what fertilizer ultimately is, isn't it? Some of the in-between translations say that he's going to spread manure around this tree. Well, now, what is this if we're going to try to find the comparisons between the parable and the spiritual story, the spiritual reality? 
Well, what is it that makes faith grow? The Bible tells us clearly it's God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Pastor Walter, are you saying that God's word is shit? Well, I'll tell you what, the atheists would be happy to hear that. They would finally say, Pastor Walter, you finally got one thing right. Hold on. Listen carefully to this. When we think about manure and when we think about dung, we're thinking about waste. And we know that when we take that and put it on plants, they can grow and they can thrive. At the heart of God's word is Jesus' death on the cross. And if there is anything in this world that has been a total waste, the most unbelievable and shameful encumbereth the ground waste that there's ever been, is that the Son of God was wasted to death on the cross. Why did the women on Easter morning bring their load of spices to the tomb, but to try to cover up the stench of death itself. This is really what Jesus has in mind when he's talking about dunging this fig tree to bring it to a fruitful life. Now the parable ends with the uh, gardener acknowledging, well, what if it doesn't bear any fruit. So the gardener can dig, the gardener can add the fertilizer, but the plant can still reject all of that. And if so, there's only one other thing, and that is what the owner asked for at the beginning, ultimate judgment. We always have to remember that. That's a reality. And those who sneer at that idea or ignore it, I would only lay before them the words of the prophet John the Baptist, who said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, for the axe is already laid to the root of the tree. God is patient, but his patience does come to an end. And if we consistently reject his call to repentance and his offer of salvation in his son Jesus Christ, there will be no fruit and there will be damnation. The world consistently opposes this morality of the Bible and this salvation of the Bible. It is either denied or it is repainted. Jesus is presented to us as one who always accepts the ever-changing moral standards and not as a redeemer but as a rewarder. But that faith, if you call it faith, is not the kind of faith that produces the fruit that God is seeking. It will produce pride, and in the end, it will bring forth despair. But enough of that. We don't want to end on that message at all. Because while there will be trees to be cut down, there are many who bear fruit. You have come to church this evening. You have come to be with Jesus. You've come to hear this parable, and in hearing this parable, you, just like me and all, are receiving these blessings of time, God's patience, the blessing of Jesus digging around in our lives a little bit with his word, calling us to repentance, and the blessing above all of him giving us the dung of the cross, the stench of his death for the stench of our sins. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death 
that just as Christ rose from the dead, so also we should walk in newness of life. So we are going to be and will continue to be the fruitful fig trees as we repent, as we believe, and as we seek the strength that the Lord gives us. So I commend to you in Christ to go forth again today, doing the chores, sharing the kind words that encourage one another, making the sacrifices of life, enduring one another's burdens, meditating on God's word, praying for yourself, for others, coming back again next Sunday to worship, to praise, to give thanks. And in all these ways, the fruit of your life will grow. This is God's desire. This is God's grace for a fruitful faith in Christ. Amen.